0: hey everybody welcome it's chris and rick talk guitars again chris how you doing good good morning we're still doing our remote stuff because of covid and and just logistics but um we're keeping the train rolling man uh we wanted to talk about something that is pretty fresh uh in everybody's minds it's the documentary the beetle documentary called get back where it chronicles the recording of songs from let it be and actually there are songs in there from abbey road too that they're working on which is cool um so yeah i mean chris and i both watched the doc and we know i know a bunch of other people that watched the doc and i just loved it and we thought it'd be good to talk about so do you want to start off with any initial thoughts you have about the documentary or or any place to jump in i mean there's so much to talk
1: about i think just let it Take us where it goes. I mean, it was fascinating. Had you seen the Let It... Was it called Let It Be, the movie that I... You know what? I tried to think...
0: I don't think I'd ever seen that movie. Okay. I saw that. So it's really
1: interesting from that perspective to see the Let It Be movie Uh and then see that. I saw the Let It Be maybe... Maybe three years ago, four years ago, or something like that. And okay. that was the first time that I had ever seen it. So it really is. I mean, as you know, a lot of reviewers are saying, it's like if you see that, it's you just have this down like view of what was going on. It's like like they were miserable, they were at each other's throats. So it's super fascinating to see what Peter Jackson put together from that same footage and just the vibe is completely different.
0: Yeah, because that's what I hadn't watched it, but exactly. That's the that's the vibe people were saying was coming through uh, with that Let It Be documentary initially released. And I, I'm going to watch it because I want to see the difference between the two. Yeah, that that's the perception I had when hearing people talk about that, that first one. So
1: what did you think was the, what was the most fascinating, if you could single out one element of Get Back, what was the most fascinating element to you?
0: I've thought a lot about this. And the, the coolest thing for me was the way everybody in everybody, not only the Beatles, but the, the supporting cast, just the, the the human nature, you know, just it humanized everybody much more so than, you know, I'd previously thought, because like, I, I remember when I was 10, I got Let It Be for my birthday, that album, my parents bought me that album. And so I've... That album's been with me for my whole life. I, mean, I And I love that album. And, you know, people used to piss on that album, too. Like, oh, that's a shitty album, blah, 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 songs. Uh, but I've always loved that album. And so I'm surprised that I never really watched the Let It Be documentary. I don't know why I hadn't. Because the cool thing about it is, shit, he just, you know, it's stream of consciousness. Each episode is like, fuck, I don't even know how long it is. But, you know, you're seeing them just in this environment interact with each other and the other people for a long, long time. So you see... These dynamics and all this shit going on for me, it was just kind of the humanization of everybody in the story. How about you? What was the main takeaway for you, or something that really grabbed you?
1: It's going to be hard to to pick just one thing, but my initial response to seeing it was like, "Oh my God, these are children! They're like children. It's they have all these decades of mythology attached to these." These people and their instruments and their songs, they're just like dumb kids like we were. And I think anybody that's gone through band rehearsals where you're working on stuff, recording sessions where you're like getting the basic tracks and everybody's in the same room are just like hanging out. I mean, it's instantly relatable to all of that. It was fascinating. It took me a while to get over that. I'm like, my gosh, I forgot how young they were, like in their early 20s or something like that. Yeah. You know, everything of that era, like the clothes, you know, the and the guitars for a guitar player it was just like a feast how many of these guitars have you read over the years about this is about john lennon's you know strip casino the rosewood telecaster there they are with these instruments they're their instruments and they're they're kind of into them too i mean john lennon mentions you know i'm leaving my guitar that's how you'll know i'll be back
0: yeah so they're
1: actually seeing them when they're not just these mythological Things they're actually the tools that they're working with, and they're into. I mean, George is showing up with a different guitar, you know, on different days, and you can tell he's fiddling with it. And he's he's like into them, and that was really cool. And that's another thing that you mentioned. It's like humanizing. These aren't you know these aren't gods. These are kids, and they got their their stuff, and they're into their gear, and and they're creating like history. And you get to watch that, which is fascinating. I'm probably gonna watch it again.
0: Yeah. I think I am too. I never got over the age thing, man. I mean, like, exactly. They just look like babies and the supporting cast is what killed me. Like, um, Michael Thomas, um, no, what's his name? Michael Thomas Hogue. Yeah, he, looked yeah, like, he looked like a young Orson Wells chomping on a right. cigar all the time, but he looked like he was 12,
1: Exactly. you know, and
0: he's always dressed in like a business suit or some. And I just couldn't get over it. I kept looking at his face going, dude, you look like you're 12. But it was, I was, I loved that. And like Glenn, everybody, Alan Parsons is in there as a young, snotty kid, like, you know, sitting in, in these sessions and
1: looking around with disdain. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. His name, Mal Evans was awesome. Oh God,
0: I loved him.
1: Yeah. He was great. And the look, you know, the fursuits, everything. I mean, you could, you could talk for, you know, three hours about just like the clothes,
0: oh man, the clothes just killed me. Like those boots that Harrison was wearing, those Tibetan fucking whatever they were, slipper things. And then what killed me too was when, again, this kind of highlights the bubble that a lot of these artists kind of find themselves in, that that they can really get anything they want. Like when he was offhandedly going, you know, could somebody go get me several pairs of black slip-on shoes? I've never had, and and I'm size eight. And so, sure. and then a couple scenes later, he's wearing these slip-on black shoes. (laughs) Like somebody went out and got a bunch of shoes for him to try on. And just the endless stream of like toast and marmalade and tea and cigarette, like somebody was, constantly like bringing them shit. That just fascinated me too. But yeah, I never got over the age thing. I was just, that's one of the things I tripped out on and just enjoyed so much. And exactly like Paul McCartney was just such a stud, like this handsome you know, guy in the, in the prime of his life, super talented. Oh, and I guess another thing that stuck out with me too is just how kind of rudderless they were after Epstein died, right? He was the father figure, the manager that kind of kept them on task and like you were saying they're now they're just a bunch of young kids winging it it's like well what are we get, you know they kept talking about whatever this big event was going to be and it changed every day you know sure. it was so funny so i dug that too just the the rudderless young dudes just trying to get this shit done you know
1: one of the things that, st- that struck me that was a little hard for me to deal with at first is i always really dug george harrison yeah. And, you know, I love his songs. He just seems like a, just a cool, like, mellow dude. His passive aggressiveness in that was, was kind of pretty hardcore. I forget the exact saying. was something to the effect of, you yeah, know, we could do it that way and it'll be shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, go ahead and do that, but it's if you want shit. Yeah. So another thing that I tried to keep in mind while I was watching the whole thing is historic perspective. You know, yep. what was going on with these people outside of this room at this time and we all know you know george harrison was like he had all these songs and he was like trying to come into it as a songwriter so obviously yes he's super super frustrated but it's really interesting to see him handle it in a really human way like yeah. all right you want you're going to try to cut me out of this you know fuck you i'm just going to be an asshole <laughs> so there's that and to think about you know how goofy john lennon is and it's like his smack period you know keeping the historical element in perspective while watching it is really something pretty fascinating.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of had the same reaction, but then I did. I exactly, I thought about, okay, think about how long these guys have been together playing music. Like George was 13 I think when he joined the band or really young. And so, you know, we're looking at this, this is 1969. Well, you know, they'd been together for, many 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 years and 64 you know it's five years from 64 when they kind of broke right but before 64 they you know they were together for years before that playing you know slogging it out in Hamburg I thought it was cool that they kept mentioning kind of Hamburg and and some of their old you know stomping grounds or or stuff kind of in the context of this which was kind of cool to me yeah you know
1: no, oh, totally. And there must've been some element of them, um, like some of the goofing and some of them pulling the old songs out is just being aware of the film crew and doing it kind of, yeah. there, you know, there's probably some element that, but the rest of it is, I mean, look, like I said, anybody who's had spent any time in a rehearsal space where you're working on a new song, you're trying to, and you're just dicking around. I mean, that's to see them doing that is like worth it alone.
0: Oh yeah. And again, talking about the gear, I thought it was so funny, too, how they were not precious at all about the gear. Just, like, setting it down, like, willy-nilly, and you know what I mean? Like, right. like no you know, they've got guitar stands and all this other shit, and people, you know, like, imagine you with your ES-345, and, like, just you know, plopping it on a chair or it, it was, just, I just thought it was so cool. And part of it to me, like you were saying, it's, these are their tools and that's the way they kind of approach it. It's like, you know, okay, what am I going to play here? Oh yeah. Let's, I think the Rosewood telly would be good here. And another thing I thought was cool about the gear was how much they were playing bass lines on like the Rosewood telly or that Fender baritone guitar or whatever the fuck that was. Yeah. That's you know, sixteen
1: the, bass thing. Or yeah. Whatever.
0: Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. I, I didn't. Yeah. I never knew that. Like, like some of that bass stuff was being played on those other guitars and stuff. But yeah,
1: I you know you can see the um, Lucy the red Les Paul start to take a dive. Yeah, They're just sitting around. You're like, uh oh. I know. But that's the thing. And I mean, I, I, coming back to that now, I mean, it's just these are historic instruments. I mean, yeah. probably every one of those in the movie was featured in some sort of like guitar magazine like profile and see so you you know you talked about him Paul McCartney has his favorite bass that has the setless taped to the side yeah I mean, how many times have you read about that you yeah. know and there it is it's just this thing and he seemed like Paul McCartney seemed like the least gear savvy person there. You know oh, he's totally. like I don't I'm using I like this one it's light. You know yeah. they're trying to, him to play another bass. Yeah. <laughs> um, and with John Lennon one of the things that I, I just thought was so cool is like seeing the human element is um, they were working on one of the many, many times through get back. And, you know, by this time he's already got his solo and he's kind of working it out and he's kind of into it. You can see, he's kind of like, Oh, I got this part here. And so, you know, he's kind of goofing and he's playing it and it's like, yeah, he found his part. He's into it. He's playing it. He's still working out the, you know, the little details to it, but he's got it. And he, you know, he plays it over and over and he's kind of, you know, noodling on it. And it's like, that's the part that ends up in, you know, get back. So seeing that, It's like, I don't know. It's just completely fascinating.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, um, I had the same reaction when I was watching him work out his part on the, the little steel guitar they had. Yeah. He he was grinding away on it. He, he wanted to find a part and that's an, I, I dug that too. It's like, he's really into this. He's, he's into like, and I also, that's another thing I really dug about seeing them in this context was, you know, like Ringo walked in and he was, plunking on the piano and going, you know, I've got this silly song, you know, Octopus's Garden. And then George comes over and goes, well, how about this? And, oh, you might, this would be a good, you know, this, you should resolve here. And just the thoughtfulness they approached their songs with was so cool to me because it was, it's, it kind of reinforced that, you know, they write great songs, but they worked at it. You know, they, they, they were thoughtful about structure, about, Arrangement, everything, and they and they helped each other out on on um, these songs. I thought it was so cool.
1: Yeah. No, like I said, I I, I might need to see it again. I mean, yeah. just seeing like Linda Eastman and Yoko Ono like giggling. Yeah. Just hanging out, you know. It's like they're kind of bored and they're kind of goofing around. They're catching up and you know making cracking jokes. It's yeah. just really human. I think you hit it on the head when you said the human element too. Through these myths.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that just hit and exactly like you were saying, just the interaction between Yoko and Linda and and then them and the rest of the band. Like there's that jam session where, you know, Yoko's go doing her vocal thing and Paul's on drums and and they're just having fun, just right being silly. And and again, the silliness is what I dug. They're just silly people, which right. was so cool. Cause exactly, I mean, you know, we mythologize all these people and we mythologize their gear. And, and when you see them in this context, it's just like, these are just guitars to them. These are just like they're tools of the trade and they're just, you know, using them to write songs and to record. And, and that's another thing I thought was so cool too, is looking at the recording gear and, and like <laughs> the four tracks and the eight tracks that was cutting edge back then, you know, it was. And, I- they've got these big levers and things and, Right. I just thought it was, I tripped out on that too, looking at that. Well, that was great
1: sounding stuff. I wish, I mean, yeah. I would love, and that's one thing that it really made me want to do. I mean, any, I've had a fair amount of studio experience. Capturing things that way is cool. Like, you know, where you're all in the same room, you know what yeah. I mean? But things are ready to go. If you get something cool, you'll capture it. I mean, I've, we've done similar things, but it's usually if you're in the same room, everything's isolated. and You don't have that experience of like just hanging out, you know, yeah. let's get through that. And that was really cool to, s- to see it done like that.
0: That's another thing I really dug, too, is the fact that they were so dedicated to recording these songs live. And right. I think you and I talked about, you know, John and Paul kept saying, well, if I play keyboards on this song, then we lose a guitar and we can't do that. And then enter Billy Preston and things just took you know, went to another level because that cat just brought this, this soulful electric piano. And I love the sound of those old roads and electric pianos. They just sound so cool. And Billy Preston's keyboard work all over that. I mean, he played organ on some of the songs and it just sounds so freaking cool. Yeah. I dug that part of it too.
1: Yeah. When he showed up, it was rig- that That kind of put an end to the pull my finger jokes and what <laughs> it's, like, it's time to get serious. We got this serious. <laughs> Cat and you could, everything just kind of the whole mood just went up. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. that, That captured that really well.
0: Yeah. And I thought it was cool too. How, again, like when they started out in that big warehouse or in Twickenham or whatever that was, that was such a strange setup. And then again, like the mood changed from there when they went to Apple studios, it's like all of a sudden it's, they became looser. They, it seemed like they were interacting more with each other and, it just seemed like more conducive for them to um, be creative and stuff. But it's funny because Paul was lamenting that. Cause he's like, well, here we are in another studio in London again, making a record. Like his vision was like that they were going to do some bigger thing. Like we're making a movie and we're going to do this big, you know, whatever this big thing is that we can't decide on or, or articulate yet. Um, and I thought that was kind of funny you know, how he was kind of, he had this vision in his mind. And when they went to Apple, he was kind of like lamenting, like, okay, here we are again in a studio in London recording an album again. Like, it's just, we do the, this is what we've done all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. And George was, I mean, he was way into that. It was, that was the thing that struck me too. It's like <laughs> the, here they're, we're, we're seeing this room that they moved to the Apple's room and it's just, you know, shit strewn around and they're all sitting there, but he, he could definitely see, he was like, this is really cool. I want to do this more Yeah. And up to that point in their career. It seems like they would have been in cooler situations because it just looks like a room full of shit, but he was, he was totally into it. And that definitely, I mean, you saw his mood go up and he got really involved after that. That was cool.
0: Yeah. And back to like them winging it. I just, I was fascinated by that too. It's like, and, and Paul kept trying to articulate things, but not very well. I, he couldn't, that's another thing I thought that was interesting is, is the way they communicate w- with each other was really, I don't know. T- did you get that sense? Like, I couldn't even understand what Paul was trying to get at sometimes. It's like, I kind of got the gist of it, but it's like, what are what are you really saying? Like, well, I don't understand what you're, what, what do you want? You know, like. Right. He probably just wanted to do everything. Yeah. And maybe he didn't even know, but you know. But I thought it was funny when they were all spitballing and like Lennon's talking about giant plastic cubes that he can take after the filming or some weird shit. (laughs) Like,
1: get get an engineer in here. I need my mic nut tightened. Oh my god. (laughs) Well, that's another thing I thought that was so funny is like
0: the you know the mics were kind of all just like loose and hanging. You know, like it was just it just all seemed kind of tenuous and and just kind of haphazard. But yeah, it was so
1: funny. I just totally dug it. And the rooftop, that was, oh that was God. awesome. That was a great payoff. And, you know, in the Let It Be, I think there's a couple versions of the songs, but not, I mean, a lot of the footage isn't there. So it's great to see all of that footage. And historically, that poor Bobby Cop, who goes down in his history <laughs> as the biggest <laughs> asshole.
0: I, that's, I found that to be so hilarious. These, that, that young, I mean, he, again, he looked like he was 12 and he's this yeah. cop coming to, cause we've had 30 complaints about noise in London it's like (laughs) he was so stodgy for being such a young dude but I guess he was just doing his job but um oh my god yeah that that I I thought that was endlessly fascinating and funny and well the the thing that cracked me up too is like when they first went up to the roof they they went on the outside of the building and you know they were dragging each other up on the outside and then when they did the performance they all just walked through the door on the roof there must have been a staircase inside that just leads you
1: up to the roof of the building <laughs> it's like, i hadn't noticed that i'll actually check that out
0: yeah but it's like because you know he, they're dragging Lindsay hogg over the side in his suit you know and up on the roof <laughs> oh <my. laughs> but yeah um the rooftop thing was a big payoff because i'd only seen bits and pieces of those performances but seeing them all hmm. like that just them banging off songs like that was so cool um and and again like I really got off on the joy. It seemed like there was true joy in Lennon and McCartney and the whole band really playing these songs. Maybe, maybe those two more so than the other guys even, but, but, uh, which is uh, weird, I think, because those two are are the ones that historically that, you know, there's this mythology about the rift between them and and all the stuff that all the baggage they had together. But those two especially seem to be really enjoying themselves,
1: you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it looks like Paul was really into it when the cops came out to yeah. turned around and saw him. And he was like, Oh, this is cool. Yeah. Some drama. Yeah. One thing to keep in mind is I don't know if you've ever had to try to play guitar outside when it's cold. Oh dude. I mean, Lennon makes a, a comment about that, but I'm like, how are they even fucking doing this? I mean, I know. Like my hands are cold. They just clamp right up. And it's just like the strings get really kind of tight. You know, you're sticking everywhere and he, and he, flawlessly plays his little solo yeah. get it back and everything else. It was great. No, I thought the same no, thing. It, it was definitely uh, not just for guitar players, but there is a ton of guitar player stuff in there. Just knowing what happened historically with Fender and, you know, coming in just before that and hooking them up with Fender, it was a big win for Fender. Yeah. And, you know, so you see all that silver face.
0: The drip edge amps. I, th- uh, I thought were totally cool to see. Yeah.
1: And that's where, jo- you know, George's new guitar. So, oh, it's great. I mean, and that we got to see three, I think, three of George's historic guitars because he had he had the Rosewood Telecaster. He had Lucy, the Les Paul Standard. Yeah. And he had the what is it? Beboppy, the, um, the blue painted Stratocaster. Oh, Rocky. Is it called Rocky? Rocky or yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing, the guitar I dug was the jumbo he was playing, the Gibson.
1: Oh, the- yeah. That was freaking a beautiful guitar, man.
0: Yeah, I think um, Jim
1: had one too, but it got stolen. Yeah, so he was leaning on George's. If I don't know, I might be wrong on that.
0: Again, like I think the cool thing about this documentary is that it, it shows. I just love seeing the songs evolve too. You know, from yeah. a germ of an idea to what you're used to hearing all your life as the finished product of that thing. And I loved hearing the alternate versions of get back too. like, sometimes you can kind of go, okay, now I know why they settled on this one version, because that's the one that, you know, was, had all the pieces put together, but you know.
1: No. And and if watching the movie is worth it alone to see Paul McCartney on his base, dicking around and just going, and then he stumbles into get back. It's like you get to see from the very slightest germ to the finished song, where I mean, when it's when the you can see the light kind of going off in his head, and then he hits it. Yeah. So that that was super fascinating. I'd forgotten all about that, but yeah, he's just like you've got a document of somebody like just dicking around on like one string on the bass, and all of a sudden you watch the song emerge, and that was super cool. Well, and you see that it's
0: work, you know, that I wish I would have saw something like this when I was younger, because again, like I told you all the time, like when I was younger, a songwriter, I would just write something and, and think, okay, I'm done. It came to me in a dream and I wrote it down and I'm done. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> you can edit this fucking thing and make it better, you know? And, right. and so that's another thing I thought was so cool about seeing this is like, and I think everybody should see something like this, where you see artists work at their craft because it's not just this thing where you have this epiphany and you record it and go to lunch and it's all you know it's work and and but it's the payoff is so rewarding when you end up with a song like get back or an album like that i mean it's like and so i think that's that's one of the really cool things about this too is just seeing the work ethic or just the process of of how these things are created and you know i just i dug that so much
1: yeah. and the other big, big thing to take away with this is, as we all assumed, Ringo is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> he is awesome, man.
0: Like I was reading, you know, here's another thing. You know, online people are like, "Oh yeah, well, you can totally see Ringo was in the right place at the right time." It's like, "Fuck you, dude. He is amazing in and of in, his, himself. Like, I yeah,
1: yeah. It I was, just dug... cool dude, man. Just totally to about him, like." His vibe. And, you know, I've heard people say that, you know, he looks really bored, like he's sleeping and bored. But no, I mean, he was just available. He was yeah. there and he was ready to give his input. Yeah. I mean, he was the one that was always on time. Yeah. He was. Yeah. He was the one there when
0: waiting for John to show up or, or all the other guys.
1: Right. And was really polite about letting people know when he farted. <laughs> <laughs> all around stand up, dude, that Ringo. And it, I thought it was interesting,
0: too, when you saw the glimmer of things, the glimmer of events or things coming into play that w- were really nails in the coffin. Like Lennon was so into um, Klein,
1: the manager, oh, yeah.
0: like, and I thought it was cool that Glenn Johns is, Glenn Johns must have went to that same meeting, like up on a couple floors up and he was not impressed with that guy at all. He's like, yeah, he oh. seemed like a dick, essentially. I'm paraphrasing, but. Glenn Johns is like, yeah, guy seems like kind of a dick, you know, like.
1: <laughs> and, was. and yeah, and just like busting this like decades of myth about Yoko Ono breaking up the Beatles, which is total bullshit. It's yeah. like yeah, there she is breaking up the Beatles. She's hanging out joking with Linda Eastman. And yeah, it's yeah, I don't know. It's it, it busts a lot of myths. And, and that's great. And that's just yeah. a, feast, a feast for the eyes. It's like Mad Men with rock and roll and real shit.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you're saying, I mean, I was just tripping on the clothes, the gear, you know, there were no tuners, no guitar tuners, <laughs> like nothing just, you know, and, and we we're
1: only out of tune a couple of times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, I would recommend anybody watch the yeah, you don't have to be a musician to watch. That's the thing I love about this. And I think Peter Jackson did such a great job of just letting things happen. And, and over a long period of time, like on film, like not doing a lot of, you know, Right. because you just see them in this environment and it's it is it's so humanizing and it's so cool to see them all interacting together and with again like i said with that cast of characters was just freaking hilarious like and like you know mccartney brings his daughter that's another thing i thought that was so cool is they were just rec- they're in rec- they're recording these songs this is an album this is a big deal but there's just people in there milling about while
1: they're making this shit and that was my thought they must like Yoko and Linda must have had like the patience of saints a lot of times for being in there. And that's yeah. other thing I wanted to point out is a lot of the reviews, which were you know universally praised, but a lot, a lot of people mentioned that well, it was a little long. It could have been shorter. If they shortened it, you would not get the vibe of like how hard this stuff comes. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so you take out any of that. I, I don't think it was too long at all. I nope. mean, this stuff takes time. And what are you going to do? Cut it out so you just see? Well, here's where he gets this no, I mean, it needed. I think Peter Jackson used a really good judgment on what to leave in. And, you know, I don't think it needed to be any shorter or you would have lost a lot of what you got.
0: Totally. I totally agree. Because that's that's the cool thing about watching this is exactly is seeing what a process it was for them to create this stuff and also create whatever that end thing was going to be like that rooftop concert. You know, I, 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 was fascinated by that too. Like whatever they all had in their heads about like, you know, at first it was a TV show or I guess they were wanted to do or some, whatever it was, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing I thought was so valuable about, having it be as long as it was. And I saw an interview with him and he was, I mean, he started out of course with a much longer movie and he pared it down and pared it down. But yeah, I think, and he even said, he said, yeah, this, I think this is the right amount of time to tell this story. And I think he's absolutely right. I mean, I just, yeah, I, I just, I just enjoyed it so much.
1: It's great. I don't, I don't think we really even have to tell anybody to see it because I think Everybody, I mean, I didn't have Apple TV. I just had to find a way, bless my sister's heart, to find a way to to get in to see it. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't think, I mean, even if you're not a Beatles fan, it's fascinating. If you're a fan of rock and roll history, it's worth watching. I mean, that's all that people have been talking about since it came out. Yeah,
0: I agree. I don't think you have to be a, a Beatles fan per se or a musician or anything. I think it's just interesting to see this process and these, all these humans in this context working on this project, you know, super cool. Super cool. Well, you got anything else you want to say about this or would we talked it
1: out? I think, I mean, we could, we could talk about this for another three hours, but I think <laughs> pretty much summed up my thoughts, my, the big thoughts that I had, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess that's it. Yeah, it was a good talk. I really enjoyed yeah. it. I think I'm going to watch it again, too.
1: Yeah, I'm going to watch it again.
0: I got to do it. My nephew watched it and he and I were, he you know, he's much younger than me and I don't know how much into the Beatles he is, but he totally dug it for all the reasons you and I just described. I mean, he it was really cool. We had a good conversation about it and he he really dug it. It was cool. All right, man. Well, Thanks for listening as always, and keep the, the emails and messages coming in because we really enjoy hearing from you people out there. Um, it's so cool. Listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Bye.